Hey everybody and welcome back to the One Where Show. I mean, I know it's been a minute, but that's because I've taken some time off to actually have a think about how we're going to keep this ship going. And I feel like I found the right way to do it. And that starts from this episode. So, you know, there have been some previous episodes, but this, for me, is episode one of the One Where Show. Um, we can have some guests on in the next in the next few episodes. I think we're gonna try and get guests on every episode. So we I'm gonna try and do an upload every two once every two weeks. I'll try and once a week, but once every two weeks, potentially on a Sunday or a Monday. So that'll be the schedule for you guys to keep up with. So today's guests, um, well, the guy who I mean the I'm I'm trying to get my fucking words out. Today's guests are Kieran Chillingworth and Cordelia Gray, both stand-up comedians. I haven't seen Cordelia live yet, but I've been on, I've been to see Kieran a few times, and he's seen me a few times. And from that, I can honestly say that there is very few people like him on the London stand-up comedy circuit right now. So he's going to give you his dates at the end of this, and so is Cordelia as well. But Check them both out, please. If you, you will not regret this. Um, so in this episode, we are going to talk about everything. I mean, the main thing is Parks and Recreation, because we are still a sitcom-based podcast, but we go from everything, from Israel, Palestine, to... It's just a really good and interesting podcast from two really interesting people and um, myself. <laughs> so, yeah, so sit back, relax, and enjoyed the one where we wrecked a few parks like yeah i don't big i don't massive i mean cafeteria is just better than instant coffee well, so I, think, I, I think, think I think most things are kind of better than instant <laughs> coffee. I mean, like we have it at work and stuff, yeah. but it's if it's only if you kind of have to have you only have to have it. Yeah, I've started recording. I have started That's recording just now. What well, like what pro, what app are you using? I'm just using the voice recorder app to do right. this. So you have a draw. Oh, mine doesn't have like a um, graphic of a tape. It doesn't like has like a sound um, has like sound waves on it. What do you call it when it's like? Well, I'll show you. All right. Um, yeah, it just has like this. What's that? Oh! And then you talk and then it shows this. It shows the thing. Yeah. yeah. The but sound waves. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. Um, that's int- I'd rather have the tape thing. What iPhone is that? It's an iPhone 8, I believe. Oh, okay. I believe. I'd rather, I, yeah, I'd rather have the tape, to be honest. It's just a, it just makes it look cooler. Like for those who are, for those who are listening, like we just talking about the voice memo, the voice memo app. That's just how, <laughs> that's how our, that's how interesting our lives are at this point. <laughs> at this point. Yes. So, um, Kieran, hello. Hello. <laughs> Let's act like we haven't been speaking for the past hour and a bit. Um, no, we haven't just had lunch together. And this is, yeah, let's act, let's just completely impromptu and stuff. Yeah. Um, before we get into what we're going to be, well, the Parks and Recreation stuff, which I'm get, which we will talk about at some point, um, I just want to, like, I just want to just speak to you pretty much, even though we've, pretty, we've been doing that for the past hour. Yeah. Um, 
I was scrolling for Facebook yesterday, and you popped up. Yeah. And the what 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 I saw, what the post I saw was the um, Juice Smooth. When you recommended the Juice Smooth, oh yeah, Juice Smooth podcast. Yeah, that one. And what I what I um what caught my eye about on the well on uh-huh. your post was you said that you definitely you think you're going to change the way that you approach the subject and how you're going to speak to Jewish people who yeah. are on the right. My question is, how would you have spoken to them before listening to the podcast? Because oh. I've, I've, I've heard, I've listened to about 30 minutes of the podcast and I think it's really good and really informative. Yeah. I just want to know what kind of impact it had on oh. you. So it wasn't like, I don't think it was a particular way I was speaking to, I don't think I was like, I don't think I was kind of saying, like going up to people and saying anti-Semitic things. <laughs> I think it was more like I think what it was you more bloody like, cut. <laughs> yeah. I think it was more like the way well I think it was more just like in the light of like the kind of the ongoing stuff about anti Semitism in Labour. Because mm. I'm well, 'cause I, I think I think it was kind of the siege mentality that was easy to I felt like I was buying into a it was easy when you're in kind of particular meetings to buy into a kind of siege mentality where you start kind of thinking this whole well, people can't start kind of suggesting the whole kind of controversy is kind of fabricated, not by Jewish people, but kind of like more by like non-Jewish people or right-wing, certain like right-wing, more right-wing MPs and stuff, okay. rather than being like, rather than about there being kind of like actual kind of fears and concerns that kind of, and also, I mean, listening to the podcast, it was kind of just pe- people, I mean, because they are all kind of, Jews who are on the left. Yeah, very on the, le- like on the left. Yeah, on the leftish, but are still yeah. critical of the le- of yeah certain facets well, of the left. Yeah, well, I mean, it was kind of it was interesting that podcast because it was a broad range. Because like Michael Segalov is like a Corbyn supporter, but I mean, he's like he's been critical as well. Yeah, and that he was like when the mural stuff happened, he was like obviously this was a mistake and we need to like talk about it. Not just it was like a mistake and we need to talk about it seriously and be like this is why that was wrong and why the mural was anti-Semitic. Do you remember the mural thing? I don't remember. Oh, Do you so want to go into... Yeah. Well, this was, I mean, this was like, last year, I think, when um, they found that, like, in 2013, um, Corbyn had liked... had uh, commented... So there'd been a mural that that showed, like, a lot of bankers, mm. essentially, like, kind of playing... I can't remember what they were doing. They were, like, playing chess or counting money or something on top of a table, which had loads of, like, human bodies, like, holding it up. And people were kind of like, but this is obviously... this mural is using even though not all of the people depicted were jewish yeah it still had like the rothschilds and stuff and it was still had a lot of tropes which if you know what to look for are like recognizably anti-semitic and have a kind of yeah a part of that history and that language and then jeremy Corbyn commented and then that was going to get like painted over and jeremy Corbyn commented on it being like you're in good company because um i can't remember the example he used it was like someone trying to censor another mural like anti-capitalist mural from america but people were like, but you can't, sure, like, you can't, well, his immediate kind of, I mean, his, like, spokes people's immediate response was, like, um, he meant it was, like, on the grounds of, like, freedom of speech. And I don't think he looked at it and was, like, I think he genuinely didn't recognise it as anti-Semitic, which is yeah. a problem, because that's probably, obviously, you need to be able, you can't Especially be Especially if you're the leader of a massive party, well, yeah. you kind of need to recognise what could be perceived as anti-Semitic and what... Yeah, what? and also why the mural was anti-Semitic. Yeah. So they might, anyway, so my point is Michael Seglov was like, without kind of being like, Corbyn needs to go, he was like, we do need to have an honest discussion about why this is anti-Semitic, because I think it's more that people don't know why it was, than that people are like, buying into 
the anti-Semitic message of it. Like they just need to be like, but this is why this is an unacceptable thing to have in or to have anywhere but also in public. Anyway, so he anyway, but he was on the podcast kind of being like. So he was, I mean, anyway, all I mean is it was like a, it was quite a broad range of voices. So he was kind of a Corbyn supporter who had been critical in the past of the way the party had handled the anti-Semitism thing. Yeah. But then it kind of ranged and uh, had some other people who, yeah, were kind of on the left but were more like... Etching towards not supporting, being on the left but not supporting Labour unless something is actually properly done. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so I think the thing I took away from it is like... Thank you, Matt, thank you. <laughs> I think the thing I took away from it, or made me think kind of like I need to be more careful as an on due talking about it, is that as always. That's really good coffee, by the way. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I like the Taylors of Harrogate for it. Oh, uh, yeah, so as an on due in particular, the people who. As always, as always, it's like kind of the people who are kind of fall into the two communities that mm. kind of end up paying a lot of the cost as in it's like left wing people who are also Jewish mm. who then kind of end up oh, from the way they were talking on the podcast anyway kind of pointing out you end up with this kind of feeling that unless you that you're kind of being pulled in like two directions yeah. and kind of being forced to choose between your Jewishness and your politics and then it's kind of like that is not and kind of being like well that's not a fa- that's not like a right wing fabrication yeah. that's like people's and also obviously it's also based on obviously just like a long I don't know, I don't know how to describe it just kind of an inherited kind of sense of like insecure not in, more than insecurity like yeah you know just you. an awareness of what do you persecution that goes over you know that centuries of persecution don't like go away like with a new generation like you know you carry it on so basically yeah I was just kind of like that it's easy to kind of I suppose what I meant I, I think I commented later on because someone else responded yeah, I purposely didn't look at the comments. Oh, that's I, was fair like, enough. I, the co- I was like, okay, I want to ask him this. I want to ask yeah. him this question. The comment had um, the comment had another good article by Rachel Shabby, who is one of the people in the podcast. Well, she'd written an article. Anyway, um, that was also a good article. Too. Um, if you look at Rachel Shabby in the Guardian. Rachel in the Guardian. Shabby in the Guardian. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. So it was easy to kind of end up focusing all your energy on what you what I thought were on like political opponents mm. rather than actually trying to kind of talk to Jewish people about their actions about their like why they were so afraid of what why people they were so uncomfortable and so kind of in, in cases kind of afraid of what was happening in the Labour Party yeah yeah and what was being kind of said by or about the Labour leadership or how or and how the Labour leadership is dealing has dealt with certain has dealt with certain things yeah, yeah. I get that. But what I, was, what I quite liked about the podcast, I know we're, we're basically giving them free advertisement mm. right now, but that's yeah. perfectly fine. Um, it's the Jews, Schmoo- the Jews Schmooze podcast, but that could be subject to change according to according yeah. to them. Um, was that they? I think they but they all agreed that there should be a difference between being Israeli. Yeah, yeah, right. Hello. Um, this is Cordelia. Hi Cordelia, it's fine. I'm Nathan. Nice, nice to meet you. you. Nice to meet you. So you're still recording? Yeah, we just started. Oh right. <laughs> okay. okay, sorry. That's no, fine. Do you want to come and join? <laughs> sure. I was actually coming down to be like, I'm hungry. I want some lunch. What food is yours? Um, I've got some. There's some pasta mm-hmm. in the. So you, you know, do you remember the cupboard which has all the cake stuff in it? Yeah. No. Well, if you look in the cupboard, there's like a there's like one of the cupboards. Mm-hmm. Um, 
has a big sign in the door that says cakes. So this is all staying in, by the way. <laughs> this is brilliant. <laughs> and then it's the one. Um, it's the one to the left of that. There's okay. like some pasta and tin tomatoes and beans. All right. Cool. Um, and then in the bread bit, oh yeah, and then in the bottom left fine. freezer there's some frozen bread which for toast and things. Uh, and um, there's jam Would in you the like fridge. anything? I'm alright, I'm alright, thank sure. you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm offering Kieran stuff to you, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. There's biscuits in the jar next to the bread bin. Alright, well I'll make some toast and come out and sit with you guys. Ah, oh, wonderful, yeah, let's go yeah. for it. More the merrier. Come out Parks and Rec, aren't you? We're good. Well, at the minute we're talking about um, the Juice Schmooze podcast. The what? No, the, <laughs> well, it's the podcast. It's a podcast I posted yesterday. David Schneider hosts. All oh, right. Which cool. is um, Jewish. Um, it's like all like Jewish people. Mm-hmm. So it's like a range of Jewish commentators, kind of talking about um stuff. Um, That's good. The about labour, which is why, and I posted it, being I thought this oh, was interesting that, yeah. and useful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about that first, and then we're going to get into other stuff, and then we're going to talk about parts. I have not. Yeah, I was just saying, what is? I thought like you'd eaten a pie, or, like no. half of it, and left the rest. No, that. that just for anyone that can't, well, for the three, for those of you that aren't one of the three of us, there was like a massive piece of crust or something on the <laughs> table in front of. In front. Half a rotten apple. Half a yeah. rotten apple. Yeah. Okay, um, I'll go make some toast then. Oh, brilliant. Cool. See you, then. See you shortly. See you. Right, I like the fact. Okay, good to get back. Now that we've got the domestic stuff out of the way, the um, I like the fact that they made a point to say that there needs to be a distinction between Judaism as a religion uh-huh. and being Israeli. Yeah. Which is a country and a pol- and a political and mm. a political state I'm trying to stay and yeah. trying to remain as impartial here yeah. as possible. <laughs> yeah. No, I think yeah, I think that was useful for me I mean it was also um, yeah it was also just kind of generally being so I think I said in the status was kind of like I need to be better and try harder when talking also when talking about Israel and Palestine but that's also being like in a way I talk about like Palestinians and the Palestinian side of things as well because I don't think because I think like the important thing is like that the voices of the people well as always like the voices of the people concerned are at the front of the discussion. Yeah. And I don't think I was work I think I, I don't think I was working hard enough to help that happen in bit... whatever spaces I'm in, which for for both Palestinian voices and Jewish and Israeli voices. Um yeah, so it's interesting Yeah, I thought that was a good distinction they made. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting distinction and important one. And later on, so there was also kind of a bit of disagreement that comes in later because spoiler, Michael, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I because Michael Segalov was said at the beginning, like, um, so I'm I can't I'm not saying whether or not this is true, but I thought it was interesting that he thought that part of the problem is that actually it's not like neither side, so like neither the, the left at the moment isn't actually very good at talking about well, like the non-Palestinian. Left. side of things yeah I and mean, they're not very good at talking about Israel and Palestine and they don't quite have the language they don't, they're not very good at talking about anti-semitism either but also he was kind of saying from his perspective that part of the problem is actually the Jewish community in general also isn't like but he said very good I don't know what would be more appropriate language but he kind of said that he yeah, didn't say anything yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> he doesn't think the Jewish community is very good at talking about anti-semitism or Israel-Palestine either so it's kind of this thing where no one in his view no one really has the 
actually got a language for it, which is not what's making it much harder to communicate. Exactly. Well, that's right. Because his example was like how, well, he so this was partly where the disagreement came on the podcast, because he was saying that Zionist is a word which apparently like a lot of Jewish people have said we shouldn't use. Which one's your shelf in the fridge? Sorry to interrupt. That's um, right. And he, oh, it's the bottom. The one above in the fridge, mm. the one of the bottom one above the vegetable drawer, the on the right. The, on the right, okay. Um, yeah, he was saying like that. Generally, like Zionist is said to be a word that non-Jews shouldn't use, but that people who identify as, Zion- as Zionists can use. But later on in the podcast, someone was like, which is more my, because I was kind of surprised by that because I'd never, as long as you were using it kind of accurately mm. and also weren't using it as an insult. And yeah. But if, if someone was. Because a lot of people do like identify as, as in say I am Zionist, or they said like I'm liberal Zionist, or what have you. Didn't and someone was, say that on the, podcast, yeah, on the begin in the beginning? What's his name? Um, I think it was the main guy. Mm. David Schneider. David Schneider. Him, yeah. Yeah, but no, but I thought that was an end. But I'd never. I'm sorry, David Schneider. If you if you didn't say that, I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah, it might have been um, Adam Wagner. I think was Wagner, not Wagner. Wagner. <laughs> yeah. Wagner. Indeed. <laughs> Um, they made, um, but anyway, yeah, so I'd, I'd never kind of thought that that was, I knew that that was a word which was used as an insult and that had mm. kind of anti-Semitic connotations, um, but that kind of, you could also be a word used by Jews and non-Jews, like, to describe someone's politics, like, accurately. Mm. But anyway, but that's what kind of, um, someone else later on said, they were like, but actually, I don't think that is, and I don't think that is a word which has been made, like, unacceptable. I didn't. He's kind of saying, I don't think that anyone has said you can't use Zionist, whether if you're not Jewish, to describe someone's politics. Mm. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, there's another thing which I posted on the same status, which was like an interview with a um, Palestinian lawyer. Um, his name I can't remember, which is really bad. But, um, that was also <laughs> Who really needs to know him? <laughs> I was actually a woman, or have you know. Oh, okay. It was Salma. <laughs> yeah, it was Salma. Um, that's just, I'm sorry, that's just my, um, my sit, my sit, my, my cis bit, my cis brain, <laughs> my cisgendered mate, uh, my cis yeah. male brain working. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Not sorry, actually. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, right. Um, what, kind, oh, what kind of podcast have I come on? All right, so, like, um, Salma, yeah, so, like, um, I think her name was Salma Ayub. Um, anyway, that, that I posted um, an, an interview with her as well underneath that one, because that was really interesting kind of, and not, I don't want to say the other side, but as in a Palestinian voice, but as I say, I think a lot, there hasn't been much. Just going to read the thing there, yeah. the middle. There hasn't been much, I think, I think the important, well, part of the thing they kept saying on the podcast was like that part of the thing is there's also been a breakdown and a frosting of like, well, a kind of like frost, an increasing kind of like iciness and separation between like the British Jewish community and the British Palestinian community, mm. which I was like, I mean, the British Palestinian community isn't actually very big. Yeah. But nonetheless, like, obviously, if so, when I mean, with the whole like. But then you get a lot of people from different cultures who aren't maybe aren't Palestinian but identify with the Palestinian side more than yeah. the Israeli side. Yeah. Um, that's true. But I mean, like in terms of, but obviously, like, what if we're going to have this discussion about when criticizing Israel becomes anti-Semitic? Yeah. And it, and also the discussion about what actually so if, if kind of the principle is that a group is so it's the group's concern that define what their oppression and what prejudice against them is so then also kind of you need obviously you need to be able to talk about what 
obviously then that means that Palestinian people need to have room to talk about what their experience of oppression is. So obviously like, there needs to be both voices in the conversation, which at least in like the media hasn't been the case really as much in this particular controversy. Mm. Oh, in this particular ongoing discussion. Anyway, so that's why I posted that as well, to be like, this is a interesting kind of just interview and discussion of what actually are kind of the, pri- the primary kind of demands of Palestinian activists in Palestine and what that means for things like in the um, IHRA definition, which is obviously the thing that caused triggered kind of the most recent kind of controversy with Labour. What if we're going to have a discussion about where criticizing is criticizing Israel becomes anti-Semitic? Then obviously you need to be able to talk Palestinian. You need to be able to talk to Palestinians as well to be like. Yeah. But what do you feel like you need to be able to say to make to describe accurately what's happening in your in your country as well? So basically, yeah, I thought the podcast was useful yeah. and interesting. And I think, um, I mean, the fact is there are people in, in like, the person who commented on my thing, there are people in anti-racist spaces who kind of dismiss, or spaces that are trying to be anti-racist, but who say anti-Semitic things or dismiss anti-Semitism, and that isn't acceptable. Yeah. And so obviously that was where things like the siege mentality I was talking about become dangerous and you need to check it because it's easy to kind of start thinking that if you think of yourself as an anti-racist you can't hold that with any kind of pride so otherwise you need because you need to be open to credit everyone needs to be open to criticism and to accept that they're flawed yeah it's true real human um, at the end of the day well yeah i mean it's like cordelia and i were talking about it and it's like today i mean in society moment or at least like for the last like, 20 years or more like racism rather than like racism being like something structural it's kind of become just like something just a matter of like personal moral failing Mm. and it's like the worst insult that you can call people act like it's the worst insult that you can be called as in if someone's like been called a racist been called a racist yeah so someone's like you are if someone's like but you've just said something racist people are like how but people kind of take it as a personal affront and kind of like but if you're calling me a racist you're saying i am a bad person but i'm not a bad person when actually you kind of be like but everyone yeah, and make can, a mistake. Yeah, you can uh, you can be. I think you can kind of be a have racist views, but then help a granny across the street or something <laughs> like that. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you could like hold generally anti-racist views, but not realize that something you, think. you said is racist. That you said is racist. Yeah, and kind or of something, something that you've done is racist. Yeah. that was the point of the. Have you seen the film Get Out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the whole point of. Oh, I think exactly. that was the whole point of that. Yeah, like when he was like, I would, like when he just like when. The man just kept being like, Obama's easy. Well, I don't know if. They, okay, oh, I'd have I'd have voted for Obama a third time yeah, exactly. if I had if I if if I had. Yeah, if I had, and then that being like to. proof that he couldn't be racist. Yeah, but um, then he was taking the black put the. the yeah, that's more coffee. I'll never say no to. I'll never say no to more coffee. Yeah. Well, that must sound so good on audio. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Hi Cordelia, you've um, joined us. Hi. Hi. Hello. Cordelia's also a comedian. Ah, oh, amazing. Yes. Yeah, cool. All comics here. Yeah, who also introduced me to Parks and Rec. Oh, so, brilliant. What? Well, you didn't, I'd heard of it, but you, I hadn't watched it until we started going out. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, we never watched it together, though. No, but... I introduced I him to Big Mouth as well. Big Mouth? Yeah. Oh, I've... I've watched one episode of it, Brilliant. and it is good. Mm. But then I've, but then I made the mis- But then I went to BoJack Horseman, and mm. that, 
is going to be a conversation for another day because <laughs> I, I love that. But good, the fact that we're all stand-ups actually makes it so, what I'm going to ask. Is actually this, this actually is really good, so I can ask both of you the same question. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you get into it? Mm. Um, well, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to when I was at school. When I was at primary school, I used to like write stand-up routines with my sister. Really? And then perform them for my family. And I don't know what stand-up I'd watched that made me know what it was. But I think it was because my sister used to watch Bill Bailey and Dylan Moran, so I used to know who it, what, what it was from them. And I was just like, oh, that seems really fun. Mm. Um, also, I liked like I liked performing and stuff in general. So I think I was just like, that sounds like a really fun type of performing. And then at secondary school, I wanted to do it. Um, and then I did a school. We had then I had to present a school assembly, um, and then I did that about like everyone's heroes. So I did it dressed as Stuart Lee. <laughs> but it wasn't like dressed as Stuart Lee. I was just wearing a jacket. But like, because Stuart Lee doesn't have like a costume. Like you can't dress. You as can't Stuart dress Lee. as Stuart. <laughs> exactly. So I just wore a costume and said like that I was dressed as Stuart Lee. <laughs> and like, no one... Did anyone know who Stuart Lee was? No, I don't think so. So then it completely worked. Then is that? That's... Well, exactly. Um, but anyway, then, but anyway, but then at university I did it like, I did a two, I did two gigs at the beginning of university, and then one of them went really well and the other one went really badly because I thought like every time you did it, well like a lot of people do, I thought every time you did it you had to do something new. Yeah. So I had like one good set and then I was like, oh no, and I had to like hurriedly rush another one that was really bad and that made me think oh, I can't do it. And mm. I started just doing like, I also kind of assumed I wasn't a performer. So I started just writing poetry and like plays, but not performing anything. I, I re- so, sorry, to stop you there, but I really hate when people do that. They just assume that whenever they come and see you the next yeah. time, <laughs> that you're going to be doing something completely <laughs> new. Like, yeah. I had a friend who came to um, came to a gig a couple of week a couple of weeks ago, and um, he was like, it was really good, but the ending bit, you you've done it before. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> because it works. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. That is weird, and then like, yeah, it's all, um, yeah, it's a bit, it's also weird. Like people don't, in terms of like open mic comedy as well. I don't think that anyone has any idea. Well, I didn't know what it was going to be like before I went. Mm. I don't think anyone that I brought as a guest knew what it was going to be like. As in like, often like fifteen acts, <laughs> just like doing in like, just like weird basement. <laughs> Sometimes with not many other people there, but you know it's good fun. Yeah. It's just not what I think anyone expects it to be. No. Anyway, how about you, Claudia? Um, why yeah. did you get into? Why did you get into it? Um, well, uh, I was always I really liked attention and performing. And same, stuff. same. <laughs> yeah, my um, my my parents are really uh, into theatre and stuff. Um, and when I was little, my mum used to be like, "Darling, I feel like I've got two Sarah Bernhards and a Kenneth Branagh." Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a brother and sister. Um, my sister's now an opera director. My brother's an actor, so it all kind of all fits together. Yeah. Um, and we used to, you know, put on plays, as you do as kids. Yeah. I remember we went on holiday with um, another family, and they, I think they were quite into the performance, you know, like, they were kids who, like, the mum would, like, force them to do, like, three hours of music practice mm. every day and stuff. And uh, I don't know where the idea came from, but someone was like, Let, why did the children put on a show? Mm. And uh, so... Did they do it in that accent as well? Please <laughs> tell me they did that. In... Yeah, yeah, they were posho. <laughs> okay. And, um, and uh, so the girl from the other family sang, like, the the, art, the bit from Evita, where she was like, don't cry for me, Argentina. 
Tina. But at the time, uh, I did like what was my party piece, which was I was able to I have a really good memory for TV and film. Mm-hmm. And I was I recited the like you know the bit they used to get on VHSs that was like um the warning about what certificate it had been given. Yeah. This is certificate eighteen. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I, I did that. That was like my bit, and everyone <laughs> laughed, and I was like, oh, this is good. I don't um, think anyone. Well. I'm hoping a lot of people that listen to this mm. will know what a VHS is. But <laughs> They're all on YouTube. I looked them up recently. Those, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. What, the VHS openings? Mm. Okay. Mm. That's good. Cool. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we got into that bit. Um, what? Because you, did you do Edinburgh as well this year? No. Did you? Okay, this is directed at you then, this one. Um, what? Can you go into the... Because I'm someone that is thinking about doing it next year. And yeah. I'm sure some people who maybe or maybe not listening to this are interested in doing it. Could you go through the process of what it's like to put, um, to write, apply for, and then put, and then eventually put on an Edinburgh show? Um, well, it's kind of... Because like the show I did last time was more like a theatre show. Yeah. But it's not entirely dis- dissimilar because I did it on Laughing Horse. So it's still like a free friend show. Um... So the free fringe one is that is one you don't have to pay to yeah, see. Yeah, you don't have to pay the yeah. venue. Well, it's more like the free bit is you don't pay the venue. There's a good thing like if you're going to a free show, like take some money because there's a bucket collection at the end. Yeah. Um, As with most open mic shows, just yeah, FYI. It's a pay what you want show, not for. It it's easy to say like free for, and also there is a way to get people in by being like a free show, but mm. it's also good if they bring money. So I've got it. I or think. Or you can have a card reader. Yeah, or you can have a card yeah. reader. Which costs about thirty pounds if you get IZ or. Yeah. Pretty easy to use. That's Indeed. Very good. That's um, good. Yeah. Or um. Anyway, yeah. So the the pro the post thing on the show. I think the main thing is. Just be really like kind of, on top of everything. Mm. Laughing horse application. I mean, like applying for venue, for example. Laughing horse applications open in December, I think. Okay. PBH might be slightly earlier. Um. Those are the fr- the two main free fringe ones. Also, sorry. Jump yeah, in. If you apply for PBH, I don't know if uh, maybe everyone knows this, but if you apply for PBH, um, they're very strict about you not applying for other free fringe okay. um, yeah. organisations. So you have to decide PBH or PBH die. or PBH or die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'll probably go with Laughing Horse again. Me too. Um, but um, oh, you think we're doing it next year as well? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there are other like free ones, well, like just well, it's like pay what you want ones, like just the tonic, mm. but you do have to pay for the room for that one. Um, and heroes, which is more like, you kind of it's a bit more like when you're a bit further along. I mean, also that's kind of specifically alternative comedy, and you mm. kind of get in with them first. Is how I understand it. Um, in a way, Just you would shake hands under the table and like. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's seedy, but just you know, make friends with people. Um, and then you go. It costs about probably like a thousand pounds, maybe less if you're conservative. That can include. So it's about like if you get the early bird registration, it's like three hundred pounds. Um, if you're splitting it, if you're splitting an hour, then obviously those costs go down because you're sharing them. I I think I paid like two hundred pounds for flyers and stuff, but that was too mo- that was way too many. So I think you could get by with less. Um, and then yeah, you just kind of depending on how much you want to kind of build up noise around it first, you can just turn up and do it. I think you can sort of. I think flyerings. I think flying for one hour before is as effective as, kind of. It's probably just like the most important thing for yeah. getting people in. Like you can do what you want with like online marketing and stuff, but I think the thing is, if no one knows who you are, it can be hard to like tell them. It being hard for them to see an advert and then be like pulled in. Yeah. So I think it's, the main thing is just like, and if it's for kind of a first, 
well like with my first time at the fringe the one just gone i think it was just talking to people on the street and kind of telling them what the show was and then mm. trying to be as honest as possible what the show was going to be like so they knew what they were coming to and then, I, liked, yeah. I think that was what, kind of what Jake Pickett was saying mm. in his in his blog post, like saying if you be honest about what you're gonna do on stage, even if you're not honest like with what you're saying, yeah. if you're gonna say put on a two, if you're gonna say you're gonna be wearing a tutu, you better put on a fucking tutu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So I think like I mean it depends what you want to get out of it. I think just I mean this year I'm gonna try and do like one or two performances at the smaller festivals as well, mm. like Leicester and. Brighton, which I think can be helpful because the first week of the show this year was kind of just getting into the, it took about a week to get into the show and to like work out how to perform it and we were quite under rehearsed how, how long did you take to how long did you well I was writing for? we got I got back from well this is also partly why I started doing stand-up because I went to Edinburgh just to watch the year mm. before and then I came back and I was just like well I was kind of like I just want to do I want to do something there so then I got back and I got some people together and I was like, do you want to do something like a theatre show? Mm. And then and then for the rest of the year, I was just like writing this show. And then um, it ended up being quite different from what we planned like at the start of the year. It ended up just being me and one other person. But it was really fun. Um, so I think like in terms of writing the show, I think the first... So the main thing I'd say is if it's the first one you're doing, in a way, try not to make it... I'd say try not to make it something that you're too invested in because mm. you want to be able to make a lot of mistakes the first time around. And I mean, you will become invested in it and you should enjoy it and care about it. But don't, I'd say, don't try and do for the first time the thing which you're, which, be realistic about what you want to get out of the first one, yeah. I think. Like, just kind of be like, this is one where I want to go, I want to get some audience in. I hopefully want to make back at least a chunk of the money. Um, and then maybe, if you want, try and get some like press quotes. But based on my thing, it's hard. The first thing you realise is just how you don't gauge even when you go up to watch it how massive the whole thing is and how many mm. people there are trying to do things and how hard it is to get anyone to notice what you're doing. And because everyone's trying to do the same thing as you are, so yeah. you're trying to make yourself look different yeah. and that's so you kind of want to just go up, I think, being like, All I wanna do is just put the thing on and get some people in and then have a good time and then kind of write a sh- end up being like without well, kind of not being ashamed of the show. Yeah. And I think that is good. Also, go to bed early. Yeah. Go to bed early, yeah. Yeah. That fucks you up otherwise. Yeah. It is hard. Is yeah, that's good. That's true. I think um, you yeah, it's true. Because as the compulsion always, when you're like, you kind of feel like you need to reward yourself oh. by like staying up really late and drinking, but it's a punishment in the long term. Yeah. Um, from what I've heard from other pe from other people. Um, who've been doing it for quite a few yeah. years they said you need to kind of treat it like a job yeah. sort of thing um, because yeah. it's you, you don't know one wants to get hung over basically <laughs> that's, that's yeah. kind of the thing that you've I, been to watch though presumably I've never been to watch Edinburgh mm. um, so what I was thinking of doing like next year is maybe going up and doing some spots yeah it's good to plan yeah I think that's true or um, if you wanted to kind of have um a reason to be up the whole time like people have done quite well with sort of compilation shows because mm. people are always looking for spots so you'll get like people booked in and it guarantees like you stage time mm. and if you can yeah if you can get a good a reasonably good venue and good time then you can make money from a compilation show as well mm, yeah are you saying what do that alongside a solo so or a split hour or something oh well i was kind of thinking like if you're going up to cut and you're kind oh. of i just want to mm. kind of do spots 
I was like, that would be another thing as well to get, like, I mean, again, that would be something that you're not necessarily, like, massively invested in because you're like as in you not can like keep it things afloat that yeah. way plus yeah, exactly. you can plug your solo out I mean it is it. extra work though isn't it that's two hours yeah yeah. even with this compilation show obviously you wouldn't be performing for the whole hour but no. I imagine that might be tiring yeah but I mean like um, yeah I mean, so like I, I don't mean if you're doing like a solo show exactly but if you're just kind of um, if you're kind of there and you want something to kind of keep you there for the whole month to have the most out of it and I feel like that could be a good way of learning the ropes mm. and kind of probably not hemorrhaging money and as everyone seems to do <laughs> yeah. yeah well this is like I think it's perfectly possible not to hemorrhage money but I mean there's a lot of exploit I mean so there is a lot of exploitation that happens when you get into the big venues mm. so that's partly mm. how people end up hemorrhaging money and ending mm. up in debt because you're like they might they're marketed as if you spend the money on us we'll then it will help you yeah but if they don't want to push your show they won't and it can be hard to sell something interesting in a big venue because people don't necessarily go to the big venues for because the prices are stuff. so much higher than free fringe you're not gonna gamble yeah to, like on something yeah as, whereas a free show yeah yeah but the flip side would be that you're more likely to get reviewers if you want a reviewer that's true of approval. that's yeah. true yeah, and we didn't invite any reviewers to the show this year, and I think that was right for this thing. Did they come in anyway? I didn't. No, they didn't. Like, and if they did, they didn't write any reviews of it. <laughs> so I mean, some people these these people came at right at the end who were like, so they were from some kind of like tour. They like organised tours around northeast Scotland, but that wasn't. I think they just wandered into things, and that's fine. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad they came. They didn't. So no one from Chortle or anything like that came <laughs> No, out. none of that. Which I think was the right thing, because like, it's not I liked the show, but I was kind of just assumed that the reviewers wouldn't like it, and I didn't want the... I didn't care, and I didn't want the pressure particularly. Yeah, that... But yeah. I think this year I'll invite some reviewers um, for whatever it is I'm doing, just because I think they are... This is useful if you can get I think the thing is if you get some four or five stars that's really useful if you don't then it's fine you like, can still get quotes though yeah or you can get some like hopefully some positive quotes but even if you don't I think just it's fine people get by people just do I mean it, if you want to do what you want you have to gamble with people not liking it or you can just get like audience you can get like audience to fill out a star yeah. like yeah. a star thing it's true like say I want to give this five stars and write, they can write a quote then you can put that in your post off because yeah. I think that the audience will probably be well I'm not going to diss any critics and stuff mm. potential ones hmm. but like I think the audience are the ones you need to impress more than the more than the, yeah. more than whoever well Sam Bloggs from hmm. xyz.com yeah that's I true. think that's indicative of something generally an approach towards Edinburgh which is helpful which is that you can do anything you want yeah but because it's such an institution, it's very easy to be lulled into the sense that you need the institutional seal of approval on everything. Mm. Um, but it's like the opposite. Edinburgh's there to be destroyed. Uh, and when you... And that's how... <laughs> yeah. And that, Just that's burn how it you, to the ground. That's how... That's, well, like, everyone you see who does well, who you like, uh, did it... You know, they... No one had done it before them. So uh, the way to get a valid experience out of stuff is to do what you want and what you think yeah. is valid yeah I mean yeah it's a cliche obviously yeah. but it's basically just do what you want and fuck mm. everyone up fuck whatever yeah, fuck them, fuck yeah but whatever. It, obviously it's a very easy much easier said than done and at the fringe it's so intensely anxious and manic mm. and yeah. validation is so precious um, yeah. it's very hard not to 
be worried about yeah. whether or not the establishment wants you. Mm. Yeah. I think the other thing about it being like a job and why that's good advice is, well, it's like my because my mum's a musician, and she was saying like because I was calling her up in the fringe and being like, oh, this is horrible. At at points, it's I mean at points it will be horrible no matter yeah. how well it's going. I mean, even people who are having, like, the most amazing fringes have hit the wall. Mm. So, I mean, that does happen as well. Anyway, I was calling my mum, and then she was like, it's a job, like, you can't go in emotionally... You can't just be, like, emotionally invested in it and personally invested in it, that you just have to be like, well, I'm just turning up, I'm going to do it, and I know what I'm doing, and it's my job, and it's my work for now, um, and not to kind of get... Not to buy into it to the point where you get... You know, where, like, the fact... That, where you kind of... Because the more buy into it, the more you worry about the fact that not enough people are coming or that you're not getting quid press quotes or whatever. Or that, like, your peers from the comedy world or whatever aren't coming. Mm. Or, like, industry people aren't coming. But then if you kind of are able just to be like, well, I'm here... The other... I mean, the other thing as well, like, Edinburgh isn't someone else that the person that you met said. Who was the person that you met who said, like, it's training? Oh, that great guy. Uh, yeah. I've forgotten his last name. He's a pro called Paul... Um, he did ACMS that night. I can't, but I can't remember his last name. Anyway, is it Scarhill? Scott Paul Scott? No, 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 not Paul Scott. Scott. Um, Paul Scott. Anyway, Hi, Paul. If you're listening. <laughs> I had a really edifying conversation with him um, in Pleasant's Courtyard, where he said that his anxiety levels uh, get really high uh, mm. during Edinburgh. Well, I think everyone will be open about that, um, and that yeah, it's just really stressful. But also, the really good point he said was that just that. Um, he said that uh, Edinburgh isn't the goal; it's the it's the means to the goal. Yeah. So actually, your tra- Edinburgh is a way of training you for the rest of the year, and you come back from Edinburgh and you are ten times better as a comedian. Which I thought was great because um, being up there visiting Kieran, I was starting to get kind of disillusioned about this idea that you know working towards an Edinburgh show is worthwhile um, because it like what sometimes what you get out of it seems to be so small but then if you think oh no it's actually about making me a better comedian yeah that's much more relaxing yeah yeah i was that was a great conversation mm. <laughs> that sounds it sounds yeah. it as well yeah he was an inspiration to me mm. Mm. like one thing that i do that well one thing i've one i think we kind of touched upon it but the edinburgh the edinburgh blues yeah that yeah. happens every that happens what well, i'm guessing to everyone because when you're in you're, you, even though it's, it's a city, you are in a you're sort of in a confined yeah. space, and you've got to be somewhere at a certain time, yeah. and you're not have very many breaks. Um, how did you combat that? Um, well, it's kind of like a lot of it reminded me of being at university again, mm. and also, well, yeah, it's kind of like university because you're kind of because you're in this sort of pressure cooker, where also like because the university kind of encouraged on the one hand you're kind of like I'm re- I'm lucky to be here and I've chosen to be here so I can't blame anyone but myself but also universities like it often feels like they kind of encourage the kind of insulation so that you can focus on your work and the point is that you're there to do this job of like getting a degree but then because of that it becomes like hyper competitive and and the stress becomes very contagious um i think the way to deal with it is find there are, there are some like self care points around. There aren't enough of them, but I think they're getting more. Like there's a va- there was a van in Grass Market. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a van in Grass Market which was like by an anti suicide charity. Oh, okay. Where um you kind of just could go and play chess. And I kind of I never went in it, although I do like chess and I plan I meant to, but um 
I never got to, I never got to that. I mean, I think you don't have to be suicidal to go no. in. It's just like you go in if you just want to like sit quietly or play chess with someone or just say hello. And, um, but there's that kind of thing, which is really good. Because like, I heard there was a story. Um, oh, God. oh, maybe I shouldn't say it's not my thing. But someone posted on a forum about um, basically, like, yeah, there was, there was someone who wasn't having a great um, time, and they like seen what seemed like they were trying to like you know. Um, they ba- they basically saw someone like attempt like attempting suicide in the middle oh, of the street. Oh, but anyway, I won't go into more de- detail. I mean, there was on one of the performance forums, but probably still like yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that does it happen, and it, so it can be so isolated. Yeah. Yeah, especially if like you're doing a solo show with no tech, and you're doing your own tech, and ev- everything's just yourself. And if it's going badly, you're just on your own. I think um, um, it's really important to. De- well, sorry, were you saying something? I cut you off. Um, no, I suppose it's going to be like just try and I say kind of if possible go up with a community mm. already. And like I was kind of saying, like I'd want to get well the person who who I live with who also kind of, who also produced my last show. I kind of even just try and get him to come up, even if I whatever I'm doing, kind of just get him to be like because he he his family lives in Edinburgh, so he kind of okay. comes up every year anyway. Just kind of to get him on board with like helping if you can and st- or like I think just like having a friend involved in some yeah. way or having I I found um so I there was a night when loads of the like kind of comedians that we all know from the London circuit were drinking in Pleasant Stone mm. and I thought it was the first night I was in Edinburgh I thought oh this is going to be brilliant because uh like I'm going to see everyone I know oh. and initially it was and then I suddenly started getting extremely anxious and I realized that it was because like everyone I knew we were all in the same kind of pressurized situation yeah. and we didn't actually really have personal relationships we had professional ones yeah. and you can I, I confuse that for personal relationships and so then when you realize you don't have that it's deeply isolating so that I have there are a couple of comedians I know from the circuit who I spend time with outside comedy and so when I saw them I felt relaxed and kind of safe because um, I, the other times I weirdly kept worrying that I'd offended people. The whole time I felt like I needed to say... There was all these like very, very narrow right things that you can, should be saying to people. Mm. Um, and I felt sure I was not doing that, which just, I'm sure was bollocks, because probably they were spending their time being like, oh, God, I've offended her. But anyway... I think everyone sort yeah. of does that. Like, I'm, I can't, yeah, can't say this, can't say this. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, but. yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think a good thing to do is to try and develop... like. St- personal relationships outside comedy with comedians so you have yeah. an actual support network yeah I think that's true I think um, also like spend I think like going to um, things oh wait yeah that's that's a police helicopter oh wow wow I always imagine people escape from prison when they're out yeah that'd be... which excites me yeah. <laughs> I think um, being, I think spending time in performance or whatever communities outside of your own main one as well is good mm. as well because like they are vastly like the poetry community is very different from the comedy community in sort of a lot of ways like particularly kind of like temperament and um, I don't know like they can anyway yeah it's just you, you find you meet different characters and even if it's not your community it can be quite good just like spending time with other people doing a different thing or else just like going to like some poetry shows or theatre shows where kind of someone's trying to achieve something quite different mm. I think that can be good um, but also yeah I mean I think like I went to it well I think going to quiet finding a quiet spot 
which is free, where you don't have to pay money to be there, so you don't have to buy anything if you don't want to, and where other people to do with the fringe aren't going. Mm. I think that's important. Yeah. Definitely. And then like, once you have someone like that, you know, you can hold on to it and just keep going back there. Like that's your space. That's yeah. Your... I think so. And just kind of being like, yeah. I think some friends who live in Morningside, and that's a really nice place to be. Mm. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's a little bit further out of town, but it's a yeah. really nice, like, kind of shishi area. Shishi area, yeah. okay. And uh, you can, yeah, there are parks and stuff, and it's just, yeah, it's chilled out. It's you good. Can just go there properly, get away from it. Exactly. Get, get yeah. away from it, it's it's not Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I also just found... Because that is the be-all and end-all of everything. Yeah. If it's not got... Yeah. <laughs> I also found just watching loads of shows really helpful. As in, like, when it was... Because it was hard for the first week when I kind of was like, I need to be putting all the effort into my own show and making it work. But actually, when I kind of let go of that, was just I'm also here to, like, watch stuff and get ideas and learn things. Mm. And I think kind of being, like, you can forget about being a performer and just, like, be an audience member for, like, half of the day. See, that's why I love, actually... I love being a bringer. To yeah. open my sh- to actual my shows because yeah. just knowing <laughs> that you're not gonna be I mean I love doing yeah. stand up mm. and stuff but actually going and watching and appreciating it yeah it's yeah. really relaxing yeah. yeah and kind of just being like yeah I could just kind of sit there and just like have a drink if I want yeah and like no one's gonna expect me to do anything exactly yeah it's nice because I've got this rule where I can't, I don't drink alcohol before yeah. I go and sit well when I'm doing when I'm doing when I'm doing stand up. Yeah. So the fact that when you're a bringer, you can actually do that, that's actually... Mm. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, I was, I was, I was going to say something about my train of thought, just like, left, huh. the, left the station. Um, yeah. I think Edinburgh is very good overall. I was glad I did it, and I'm looking forward to next year. But I think also it's good to remember there are a lot of things that are wrong with it as a festival. Part of that is the fact there isn't enough self-care stuff around and it's kind of being left to individual Yourself. people to yeah. set it up and that shouldn't yeah, it sucks the performance dry yeah mm. and like, that shouldn't be the way it is and like well people you know for it, there was a blog post written while we were there of someone saying like well basically kind of particularly kind of targeting like fringe central and kind of being like you're taking like quite a substantial registration fee from everyone not and like it's the same for everyone regardless of how big your show is mm. I mean, as long as you're doing, if you're doing like less than six days, it's smaller. But after that point, it's all kind of the same. Um, but you're not looking after any of the performers. Like when it's not clear where the money's going, except into like a kind of infrastructure that doesn't service the town either. Because the city, while the festival's on, the, the residents kind of don't. It doesn't. The city doesn't belong to the people who actually live there anymore, and it's not kind of set up to service the number of people coming. Mm. And I'm not. And I don't think that means that the festival should be shut down but it's not sustainable at the moment and that's something also to bear in mind if you're going up just to, at the very least to kind of be kind of respectful as much as possible and like yeah and don't like do small things like don't litter don't and don't put your posters up on like like someone there was another post on one of the forums because someone had like glued one of their posters to a phone box <laughs> so when they took the poster off it like peeled the paint off and that's they were just like, disrespectful i'm sorry oh, yeah. that's just well, exactly. And it's like, you can't just actually, like, actively damage... Because you're already, like, plastering the city and, like, print and leaving flyers everywhere. And you can't actively, like, damage, sit, like, the local property, like... But, yeah, so it's just things like that, like... And remember that people... People who live there mo- often are going to be quite annoyed at 
the amount of people there and yeah. the fact the infrastructure isn't there and it's much more expensive when the festival's on as well everything is speaking um, as someone who hasn't actually done it before just looking at the outside in what I'm thinking what, from what I'm hearing from everyone else I think that Edinburgh needs to take a year off mm-hmm. Like like Glastonbury's done to like maybe like reevaluate maybe like reevaluate how to properly do the how to properly do the festival so that it's not going to piss off the locals and mm. everyone's going to get the most going to get the most out of it. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. And we were talking. I mean, there's some. Excuse <laughs> me. That is staying in as well. <laughs> <laughs> Good. There are some. Yeah, my mum says I have really theatrical sneezes. Um. <laughs> Those, those are the best kind to yeah, be fair I, think so. I mean no one wants to like if, you want, if you're going to sneeze <laughs> just let everyone around you know that you have a cold indeed there's no point doing it otherwise yeah. what always happens when they come out in the sun um, is it like <laughs> yeah I don't know like apparently that's a normal thing like a, something to do with the vitamin like, D yeah <laughs> something to do with the vitamin D like makes you sneeze or something what you, you, you're, you're a little bit of sunshine and your body just goes nope well, if, <laughs> not today nope. if I go out of the shadows into the sun <laughs> then that's <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, I think, yeah, some of that, well, and then, yeah, I think it's just, like, looking after, I think it's just look, look after the, looking up, like, it's not the, I don't, it's not the performer's fault that it's grown, the performer's fault that it's grown out of control, I don't think, like, because obviously if it's the place where all the industry is, and where it's one of the only places where you can put on, like, a show for, of 26, where you can put on a full run of a show. Like, anyone can put on a full run of a show. You can do that at Camden Fringe, to be fair. Mm, yeah, but you don't, it's not, you don't have kind of the ready audience of yeah, people. And the true. other the other thing about it is unlike, well, people say it's unlike sort of any other arts festival in the world. You have people there who are just audience members looking for something to watch. So you do get real people and not just industry people or other performers. And... That and that is unique, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Well, it's amazing. It is amazing, mm. but I mean, need, so it's not the performer's fault, the audience's fault. It's gotten so big, it's like pretty much, yeah, the people like Industry they're not the ones people. making the money out yeah. of it growing, and they're not the ones whose ex- the expansion isn't in the interests of performers or audience members because they're not the ones actually like getting the money out of it or benefiting. They're just kind of having to. They're only there to justify um, the. Ad- Oh. The advertising and no, sorry, the sunbed's like breaking. Okay, it's fine. They're not the one. They're there to kind of justify the advertising and the sponsorship, not the other, not the other way around at the moment. And that will need probably need to change if it's going to be sustainable. Mm. But I'm going to have more tea. Oh, sorry. But um, yeah, but it's good. It's a good thing. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Like for all its faults. It is wonderful. It's thrilling. Yeah. And just honestly, the first like the first time you go and you can't believe the amount of stuff you mm. see. Amazing. I mean, there's definitely a reason why all these American comedians, these big American comedians, yeah. make sure they come down to yeah. actually do a show in Edinburgh. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I met an Aussie comedian. I was doing a spot up there this summer, and mm. he was saying how even at like the Melbourne Festival, which is, I suppose we could one could argue the second biggest. I don't know in terms of size, in terms of prestige, or maybe Adelaide, or... Anyway, mm. it's, you know, it's a big one. Yeah. But they, there's nowhere near the audience for it. So when you're flying people in Melbourne, it's often just locals on their way home from work. Whereas, as Kieran said, Edinburgh really does have an audience. People come, people go on holiday there. Cause they want Specifically to for the festival. Yeah, which is wonderful. 
Indeed. Maybe that's a kind of a British, like, gung-ho hmm. element hmm. to it. People are like, yeah, this is a bit weird, but we'll do it. We'll yeah. do it anyway, yeah, because... The great what? British... My friend Kit um, was saying to my dad that uh, there's this British tradition of um, the celebration of the amateur. Hmm. And this idea that, you know, you your hobby is so intense, but, you yeah, someone will get into their hobby so much that they'll do something wild, like, say start a comedy festival or something yeah. like that yeah um, or like build a working model of I don't know <laughs> what a tank yeah. Um, maybe it fits into that culture yeah yeah I like, yeah I like people who sort of retire but then just start doing like the thing that they did for their job but more like what do you mean? Like my mum has a friend who is in who's like an RAF engineer, but then he retired, but then he just started building his own plane. Mm. And presumably that was like while he was an RAF engineer, he wasn't actually like allowed to just build a plane and like fly around himself. But now that but, he's retired, he can actually do yeah, whatever he wants. He's kind of doing the job. He was doing the what job he was doing before, but like more, mm. and for his own like pleasure. I don't know. That's really funny. Yeah. That's cool. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Speaking of doing jobs for pleasure, yeah. let's talk about Leslie Nope <laughs> and the rest of the Parks and Rec, the characters of Parks and Rec. Uh-huh. So when did you start? When did you both start watching the show? My friend Patch got me into it in 2009. Um, so when it first came out? Yeah. Okay. I was uh, going to a German class once a week in Croydon on Tuesday nights, and I would go and sleep at his house afterwards because it was really far to go back to my own place. And um, we'd watch an episode of Parks and Rec slash Gossip Girl. Mm, that's all, that's also good. I like mm, that. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What about your origin story, Kieran? Um, I only started watching it earlier this year because, well, because I knew I'd heard of it and I was like, I sort of wanted to watch it for a while, but then I was like, because obviously I knew you'd watched it and I was like, I should probably watch it. Yeah. I felt yeah, I felt guilty. <laughs> also, my, also my housemate Kit um, watches it as well so I was like well it's everywhere you should probably find out what it's all about yeah um, I, I had a similar feeling with Community but then when I watched that I didn't really like it that much but Fair I really enough. liked Parks and Rec Fair I know people like Community I probably should watch it more and find out but anyway yeah but I really liked Parks and Rec that was only like yes this year hmm. um, do you know what I found I found quite, do you know what I find quite weird it's one of those shows that was never really popular in the rate. It was never popular in the ratings at mm-hmm. all in the um, when it was on in the, when it was on in the US. Uh-huh. But it still consistently got brought back because of fanfare. Because of fa- the fanfare for it was so strong. Mm. Um, but initially, from what this is from listening to um, Amy Puller's audiobooks, I'm that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently, there was a lot of backlash in the beginning because. It was from the producers, from the producers of The Office, uh-huh. and it basically was The Office, but in a setting up or setting up setting the government instead of a paper in the paper industry. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you? Um, could you I agree? Think, disagree? I think that um, initially yes. Yeah. But it grew into itself. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. It was and how it was different. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who says that one of the greatest strengths of Parks and Recs is the twosomes, mm. um, which is not really something the office particularly the dealt with. Go the into idea of pairing characters together is yeah. really strong. Game of Thrones does it as well. Yeah. And um, it's delightful when you find a couple that have the nice 
chemistry together, obviously not necessarily romantic. And then um, that's a big part of Parks and Rec's identity that is distinct. Also... Like Ben and Chris and... Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like, um, like, uh, like Tom and Leslie. Oh, yeah. Or Ron and, uh, Ron and Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> or, that's just such an odd couple. That's just such an odd couple kind of thing, isn't it? Like, mm. yeah. Ron... But for those of you that don't know, Ron is played by Nick Swartz. Not, not Nick Swartz, Nick Hofferman, exactly. That would be a completely different show if Nick Swartz <laughs> was playing it. Um, Nick Hofferman, he who of the, the burly, he of the burly beard, and who's actually married to Megan Mullally, which I didn't realise until a couple yeah. of years ago. Well, that's he played his on-screen second wife. On-screen second <laughs> wife, Matt. Um, Tammy. Tammy too. Tammy too. All right. Yeah. So extraordinary. Yeah. She is my favourite character but we'll get on to the we'll get on to the supporting ones in a minute. Okay. <laughs> um so we got Amy we got um Leslie played by Amy Poller. I can't I can't get the two to like the two very the two I can't separate the two people uh, the actress yeah. from the character but Leslie played by Amy Poller. Um she's the head of the part well, she's one of the main people in the parts department. Mm-hmm. We've got um Tom have we've got Tom Haverford who sort of in Who's played by Aziz Ansari? Um, he, I'm trying to think about what his real role is because he's sort <laughs> of. He's, I think his role officially is something like administrator. Administrator, yeah. but he doesn't do it at yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> um, Donna Meagle, played mm-hmm. by Retta. I love the fact that she just doesn't. Ha- she doesn't have a last name. She just has. Just Slater. Just, just exactly. Yeah. Um, she's sort of the receptionist. And Jerry, Gary, Larry, Gergrich, played by Jim O'Hare, who's the butt of all the jokes, but he's just such a likable character, and like, it's just so affable. Like, what do you you think? (laughs) Um, yeah, I think it's really funny. I haven't, um, I've watched, I just got to the bit when Chris starts going out with his daughter, (laughs) and then... Have you watched it all? I've seen it all. Yeah, when Chris was going out with his, his daughter. daughter. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was, I'm not, I was, I was shocked that he hadn't finished it yet. So yeah. Got... No, I'm on like season four. You can tell me like, well, I suppose don't tell me stuff that happens. Okay. But I'm working through it this year. But working I'm through it. Okay. Anyway, but he, I just came, so I took like a long break, and I'm watching season four. Okay. And then anyway, but then like that bit's really, that's all lol. When Chris is like. Are we going home with your daughter? We'll probably have intercourse. Like you have to stop telling me stuff like that. Um, also, I like the. Uh, I like how um. Um. Uh, what's the name of the? Sam. His name's not Sam, is it? What? Sam. The, the one who um, the one who goes out with the girl. Which who's girl? younger? Andy. Andy, yeah, Andy. So, uh, Andy and um, April. 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 April and Andy, yeah. yeah. Andy played by the Adonis that is Chris Pratt. Yeah. And <laughs> April Ludgate played by... I can picture her face. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, because we... Yeah. Be... I remember stuff. <laughs> yeah. About TV only. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember anything. I remember situations and feelings. But I don't remember names. Mm. Or details. Yeah. I remember some details. Anyway, I think you're quite. I think you're quite lucky though because most of the characters have been established by season four anyway. Yeah. So we can go into that without, spo- without spoiling um, 
any of the end the ending. Oh. Yeah, fuck the ending anyway. Oh. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. You didn't like it. I thought it was fine. I thought it made the best of a, a kind of a bum deal that mm. was season six. Mm. Season seven. Season seven. Yeah, no, but season seven, I'd say tidies up the kind of like everything created by yeah. six. Hmm. Starts to go downhill in five, in my opinion. Yeah. But we, yeah. Wow. I look forward to that. Yeah. I, <laughs> what, thought, I look forward to it going down. Uh, <laughs> I suppose I am like over halfway through. I thought I was like towards the end of mm-hmm. mind. You might no. as well be. Oh. Towards the end of the good stuff. No. Yeah. Anyway, um, I like it when they're like, when they bully Jerry. And then <laughs> um, yeah, and Andy and... When Leslie um, throws his painting into the river. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, uh, um, sorry, you go. No, that was it. Well, I think Parks and Rec is brilliant because I really like TV shows and films which celebrate hard work ethics. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I love Gilmore Girls for that reason because uh, it deeply celebrates ambition and work. Yeah. There are some really problematic um, other elements to the show. And it's actually not that good now I've rewatched it. But uh, yeah, Buffy also mm. promotes uh, hard work and dedication. Yeah, she kills demons, man. Mm. Like what's harder than that yeah, right and awesome. she's very dedicated mm. to that the nick the nick um haven't seen that but apparently it's oh good. my god the it's mi- fucking extraordinary mm. so good you can't talk but obviously can't talk about that right now but yeah it's really good anyway so that's why i like love a bit of clive iron what mm. carry on <laughs> i love parks and rec because it yeah because um it celebrates like the joy you can take in work if you enjoy your work yeah yeah mm. um but also in addition it celebrates love for everybody mm. and inclusivity um, and I think people have often said this about Parks and Rec one of the greatest things about it is it was the first like quote unquote nice sitcom it's yeah. like, um, being cruel to anyone it's uh, it's like it's very gentle and loving well e- yeah because even the Je- the Jerry mm. character mm. right even though they are mean to him we still love Jerry we still love not just we still love him but the writers clearly love him as well because look at his family. Look at the family he's yeah. got. Like he's got a wife that clearly loves wife and beautiful. I mean, a phenomenally looking wife <laughs> and beautiful and beautiful daughters who all really who all really yeah. love and respect love and respect him. And there's I'm I'm hoping this is in se- well before season four. I'm gonna speak about it. anyway. There's the episode where Leslie goes to the house for the fir- goes to his house for the first time. The Christmas party. Oh, sorry, carry on. It was the morn. It was in the morning. I think it was when he retires. Oh yeah, no. Have you got to that? No, bit? it hasn't happened. Okay. Never mind. Okay. I'm not sure that's a big spoiler. No, it's not a big spoiler. But um, she goes to the, she goes to she goes to the house and she and it's the morning when they're all have they're all having breakfast and it's just such a lovely moment and it just shows that like he. Even though he kind of understands that the characters do make fun of him, mm. he just doesn't let like, bother him. Like it's just like, wow. I've got this at the, I've got this to come back to, and mm. that's fine. But you guys are not the, you, you guys at work are not the be all and end all, and I, and I still love you even though, yeah, you do these things to me, cool. and I see and I appreciate what you do. Yeah. Oh, I like it when um. Tom tries to convince everyone that Jerry like lost the horse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Little, Little Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah I think that is nice. I think um, I find inclusivity a bit interesting because it's like 
I think I said this to you before. It's weird because like Greg Daniels, who produced it, also produced King of the Hill. Yeah. Which is kind of. Have you watched King of the Hill? I've. I used to watch it when yeah. I was young, when I was younger, but yeah. I know. That kind of was me because like King of the Hills, like kind of similarly like weirdly like, because it was like the sort of right wing ish blue collar family. Yeah, was, where it's kind of generally like so it's kind of inclusive in that it doesn't like, but it's kind of like, it's kind of right wing in the sense that like it's kind of like obviously like inclusivity is good, but also it can be a bit crazy. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, like Hank's Hank's worldview is generally affirmed in terms of that like, just kind of being really normal is the mm. best thing. Quote unquote. Anyway, the point is that yeah, and I find like Pulse and Rec. I don't think Pulse and Rec is like that, but it's also interesting because it's kind of similarly like, like still part of the humour is kind of being like Nancy's love of government and thinking government is good is like partly ridiculous. Nance? No, Leslie, Leslie. Leslie. <laughs> yeah. It's because well, because like I always think had the that his name yeah, reminds me of Nancy a, Pelosi. There's a modicum of um, libertarianism. Yeah, yeah. because Ron of one's one I'd say is in my opinion too heavily affirmed. Yeah. Like some of his views are a bit burr, Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I suppose they're his views, not mine. Yeah. But he's quite like he gets kind of roasted obviously for being just yeah. like, obviously he's just like weirdly lazy. Again, he is but like I get where you're coming from, but I also see that he is a lot of the time the butt of the joke. Yeah. And he's also forced to expand his world view. Mm. Which to me says that even though they originally wrote him as this semi right wing character he's he edges a little bit more towards the middle mm. towards the end well yeah but I, th- I think the fact because like I think the so I like yeah I don't think it's I'm not trying to, yeah I'm not trying to criticise the programme but I think it's interesting I always find it interesting thinking about like what like the politics of you of sitcoms and comedy are mm. if it's not because that is it's not exactly like overt like it is set in government but it's not like overtly political comedy if you know mm. what I mean in, a, in some yeah. ways like it's not like political satire it's like a sitcom about politician people like local government anyway there's always to be like what actually is like the, mm. what is actually the point of the jokes mm. and I kind of feel like that and you trying to like locate that centre I'm kind of like that's quite a sort of king of the hill-ish centre because it's sort of like somewhere between like extreme libertarianism and someone who like is basically well I don't know like someone who's basically like a kind of typical kind of like democrat in American politics yeah. like somewhere between there is where the normal and healthy thing is mm. And you're kind of like, well, obviously you're allowed, you're allowed to think that, and it's fine. There's a program that's just like that, but it's just interesting being like, oh, it's quite weird. I think it's the way you're being pulled um, on TV. I'm not sure if this is the correct way to put it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> I think this is. I think the show is actually quite classically liberal. Yeah. In that it includes everyone from every political from every political spectrum from all the political yeah. spectrums. Um, I'm not going to say who or how, but yeah. in the later seasons, you do get cameos from pol- actual politicians yeah. from the left and the right yeah. um, in the US, and also because they all because all yeah. the characters have different views and stuff, and everyone's kind of got to learn together and pull together and sort of not exactly maybe not appreciate what everyone else does, but come together to complete the job and the work they actually need to do at the end of the, at the end of the day and they all learn something from from one another yeah like Leslie kind of learns some things on Ron Swanson's side yeah and Ron will he starts off quite surly and like this is how I do this is how I do things I'm not, I'm not going to change for anyone but when a certain situation happens if 
when yeah. he yeah when a certain situation happens where he has where he has to sort of open up his worldview a little bit because certain people come into his life and he has to learn to be a little and he actually does have to learn to be a little bit selfish mm. while still retaining his manliness yeah. I think it's more like, like it's quite good because I think like in the first one when it's all about like is it alright yeah it's alright I'm just going to plug in my power pack yeah I think it's more noticeable when in the first series when it's all about like trying to build a park on that big hole. Yeah. But it's kind of weirdly like part of the joke is like that Leslie's kind of like self-interested and a bit incompetent. Yeah. But then like as it goes on, it's more like her projects kind of work and are good. Yeah. As in, and she is like able they to like. Yeah, I think that the writers commented on that as well, saying that they they recently realised it's funnier when Leslie is competent. Yeah. 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 But I mean like. That, that's enough, and it's actually nicer that way. Yeah. Because also you're like. Yeah, because then it's not about like the person who's like local government obsessed being just like weirdly like self like driven by just like well ultimately not actually helping anyone when it is like when she does help she just does it in like amusing way. Yeah. Because she does like put on a harvest festival and everyone's happy. Yeah. And it's like that's nice. Um. Yeah. Do you like the episode with the guy who's from the cult that believes the world is going to end? Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and at the end, do you remember the end sequence when he's he tells her when he thinks the end of the world's going to yeah. happen again and she looks in the diary and um, writes it down she writes it down but then she knows that oh, there's a clash and he thinks oh actually perhaps the end of the world's going to be the day after <laughs> coincides with some like some ice cream yeah. based event <laughs> and he's like oh like basically you could yeah and he's pleased somewhere and around so there she, and she's yeah it's really tender yeah it's very te- yeah it's very tender and touching show mm it's all about family yeah. it is about family but yeah. the work family uh, or a it's unit that has to work sorry no just you know want finding your places yeah. uh, where your family are yeah. Yeah. like in the wire Indeed. I need to get into that my brother yeah. was like cool it's just all about people finding their place <laughs> it's sad because you realise some people don't have places Oh. Yeah. great show but yeah you're right it is about people finding their place yeah. in little po- in, in little Pawnee yeah. Mm. Right, so favourite characters and I'm gonna say we can't mention we can't say Leslie is a favourite character, so my favourite characters other than Leslie. Wow. Okay. Do you want to go? Um favourite. Uh that's really hard. My ex boyfriend said that I was like a combination of Ben and April. <laughs> delighted by. Yeah. Um I think my other ex used to love Ron Swanson. <laughs> it's, I'd say indicative of where the, one of the problems was. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what yeah. do you mean? He's a per- he's a perfect um, he's, idea. He's great, but to elevate him above all else, yeah, really, yeah. shows a limited worldview. Um, I think probably probably April. I think April's great. I love actually I love April and I love Ben. I like Chris a lot, but I think. Yeah, Ben or April, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Yeah, I really like Ben. Um, I like Tom, even though he's annoying. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know what? No, what I change it? it all. John Ralphio. Oh! <laughs> yeah, John Ralphio. <laughs> yeah. John Ralphio's oh. really funny. Technically, I'm homeless. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, um, oh. I don't think I'll say Tom's favourite anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, because of Aziz Ansari? Yeah. I think you're allowed... I, I mean, yeah. you're allowed to say anything you want. Yeah, yeah. What you're allowed... What implications of saying Tom is your favourite? Does that mean you're saying that 
No, because you're, yeah. it's a, it's a character, yeah. like, yeah, and, suppose, yeah. it's kind of tainted, but, yeah. um, it's like when your mum had that badge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what badge did your mum have? Um, well, because <laughs> I, I wear a lot of bat. well, I collect, I don't collect them in, like, a methodical way, or a systematic way, but I just, like, amass badges, and then I was like, oh, mum, do you like, oh, do you like badges? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I used to have a lot of badges when I was, you know, your age, and I was like, well, younger, and then I was like, like, what? And then she was like, oh, you know, you know, CND and stop the war, and oh, I'm ashamed to say Bill Cosby. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like, oh no. Oh anyway. no, Mr. Pudding Pops. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't think Tom oh. would be my favourite character anyway. I think. Um, but if it is, is it's great, fine. Actually. I think, yeah, he is really funny, but I don't think he would be my favourite anyway. <laughs> that is really funny. Tommy Timberlake. Um, I think Don, I think Jerry is really funny. You know, just speaking yeah. about him. I always like it when he, yeah, when he comes in. But yeah, I think Chris and Ben are really funny. Mm. Yeah. I, I think my favourite would have to probably, would have to be Chris. Mm. Mm. Because he's, he comes in very like, um, he's just optimistic, he's very optimistic, but then he's, he seems very, hu- he seems very human. And I don't mean that he's, and that that in the most empathetic sense hmm. but in that a lot of times we don't as human beings we don't know how to deal with yeah. certain horrible situations and we will try to make them better we'll try to not exactly make them better but we'll try to put things in our way in our way to ensure that we don't have to think about them and i think that that's probably the most i think that's probably the most realistic uh, I mean, let, yeah. me, let me try again. Um, he's <laughs> he's like competently incompetent. He's competently he's competently incompetent, and he realizes his he realizes his flaws. And as I was saying, as I was trying to say before, where he even though initially he doesn't know how to deal with certain emotions like heartbreak and stuff and um, people not and people not liking him. Mm-hmm. Um, once. He hits the wall and he sort of breaks down. He is able to approach people and listen to their and listen to their advice instead of listening to just his own voice. Listening to just his own voice, which I think he probably did initially when he first came on when he first came onto the scene. Yeah. Well, yeah, came onto the song. Really yeah. Like... That and listen to Rob. I've listened to both Rob Lowe's audio both of Rob Lowe's audiobooks oh, cool. and listened to how he described why he chose to um, sign on to play the character mm. was, re- was really really good oh yeah yeah because he was he was in the West Wing he was in the West Wing a serious background yeah. acting background he put on his series or drama dramatic yeah but from what I've heard about the West Wing it's because it's written by Aaron Sorkin mm. um, it's quite snappy like not exactly, hu- not exactly funny, but humorous, that high humorous dialogue that he yeah. has to that he has to deliver, and he grew up on a sick like he was a sitcom kid. Oh, was he? Yeah. Well, he was. A, was he a heartthrob as well? He was a teen heartthrob yeah. in the night in the seventy in the seventies, I believe. Seventies <laughs> and early eighties, really? early eighties. Yeah. How old is he? Like He's 50? like fifty-five. 
I know, that's fucking great. Yeah. Well. Mm. yeah, he was on an ABC sitcom with um, Janet Jackson at one point. It only lasted for about one. It only lasted for about one season, but from there he kind of shot to. He got shot to the big. He got shot to the big time, oh, cool. and then crashed in the crashed majorly in the nineties. Oh. But then. Did he hang out with Robert Downey Jr. a lot? I don't think. He... <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> mm. He hung out with quite a few people, I think, and it was just. You kind of get well from what I've gathered. Like once you kind of hit that fame drug, you just want. Mm more and more and more and then you actually go into actual drugs because it you feel into the depression yeah, yeah. So. us comedians should take note yes yeah. yes um, yes we comedians we yeah. comedians we comedians yes that is weird to say us <laughs> i know i'm an english teacher as well are you really embarrassing. sweet where do you, where do you teach girls grammar school in sutton oh very nice I work in a secondary school as a learning mentor. Oh, do you? Yes. I'm not allowed to say which secondary school it is, because it's part of a, um, it's... A federation? Yeah, part of a federation, part of a federation. Oh, I might have trained in one of those federation schools. It's not, actually, it's not part of a federation, Mm. it's a, it's... Do you have a big conference in October at the Excel Centre? No, no. It's a, it's a newly built secondary, it's a newly, it's a newly built this year, like literally we opened just a week ago. And um, it's based, it's not based, and it's um, owned by a certain, um, it's owned by a certain team, it's owned by a certain team, and I'm not going to say of which sport, but uh, yeah, okay. they said that I'm not, in my contract, I'm not really allowed to speak about the role, oh. but yeah, oh. yeah, right. but I'm really enjoying myself there, just, <laughs> just so, Good, yeah. yeah, yeah, just so anyone Kids who's listening, wonderful. yeah, well, of course they are. <laughs> Speaking of kids, speaking of kids, yeah. Do you think that April and Andy should? Well, April and Andy were too. Well, April was too young to get with Andy. No. Nah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good answer. Good. I like it when Ben's living with them, which is also why I'm out in the program. Yeah. yeah that's nice. Yeah. Um, no, no, I think it's nice. Yeah. yeah. Um. Champion. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like how things they just find kind their of, place with one another. They yeah, do. And things just kind of work, like, as in, literally, like, their house. Because obviously it's like this weird, like, ramshackle, but it just kind of works out. Yeah. And it just kind of comes together as a house. And then, like, Ron comes over and fixes everything and stuff, and then, yeah. Was that at their housewoman part? At the... At the Halloween. At the Halloween. Yeah. Oh, yeah, was it? that's nice. Yeah. And it was like Ben, like, fix, sets up their Wi-Fi and stuff. Mm. And in and then, mm. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it takes a village. It does take a village. Mm. Yeah. To raise a couple of ch- a couple of kids, as Ron yeah. co- as Ron calls it. Oh. No, it made me really depressed when like. Do you remember the episode when like, April doesn't get let into the bar and then Andy's like, oh, I shouldn't go out with her. Mm. No, I don't remember that one. Oh, there's a bit when like he's like, should we go and get a drink? And she's like, yeah, but then she gets ID'd, mm. and then she obviously doesn't have ID. And then she's like, I know another place where I always get served. And it's just weird. like, oh no. <laughs> you too, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I was just like, oh no, because, you know, that'd be silly. Yeah, well, Andy is being silly. Yeah. But again, he, he gro- Yeah, he grows. But then again, like all of them, he grows and he learns. Yeah. No, I don't like um, Anne that much. 
Anne. No one likes Anne. <laughs> yeah, really? Apart yeah. from Leslie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, problems with Anne. But... Um, I, I don't have a problem with her. I, <laughs> I, I love feel... when we're talking about how like, she's an actual yeah. individual. I feel bad for her, and I I do think she's necessary to the yeah, show. I think so, yeah. Um, people who make these bitchy comments like, oh, Rashida Jones must have the most amazing agent to make, keep oh. her in the series so long. What, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah, she's, she's actually really like good. Yeah, she's really funny in The Office as well. Yeah. Like, she is funny. It's not... She's and she writes this shit as well. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, exactly. No, I think um, I think Anne as a character is just a bit like you just don't like her as she's not as what's yeah. the word she's just not as aspirational as any of the other ones. No. Mm. Um, you don't have she j- tends to not really have any qualities that anyone you would want to emulate apart from being pretty. Yeah. Um, and so obviously I think there's probably some misogyny directed towards her as well. Mm-hmm. That um. But you need, yeah, you need someone to bounce off. I mean, Ben, it's really good the way Ben's a straight man, but, yeah. Oh, Adam Scott's such a good straight man. He is. Anyway, um, no, I don't, I th- yeah, oh. I think she has her place there, and I think it's shitty when people are vitriolic Yeah, no, she just reminds her. me, she reminds me of people I know. Mm. Yeah, like, oh. exactly. I think it's worse when, when the show tries to make her funny or tries to make her do a joke. Yeah, well, that's the bits that are annoying. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. I suppose yeah. that's it. Maybe we feel like she's been foisted on us. Yeah. Mm. Well, like, because um, she goes around with Ron when he's doing... when he's fixing Andy's house mm. and then Andy and April's house. Mm. And then she just makes, like, weird jokes about, like, repairing the house. But yeah. she's meant... But, but, no, I don't think we're meant to... I don't think anyone's meant yeah. to find that funny, though. That's Probably, the yeah. point of her. I think that's the point of her character is that she's not a naturally funny, but a funny or potentially approachable person. Yeah. But she is trying to do that. Yeah. But as we know in real life, there are people who are clearly trying too hard mm. to be the funny person, mm. and we find that annoying. Yeah. So when we're watching Anne do it, we're thinking, "Oh my God, I know that person, <laughs> and that person really annoys me." So yeah. that's why I don't like Anne. Maybe it's yeah. to do with her being so pretty as well, <laughs> and the nurse. Like, it's... Like, she's... It's like the opposite world in Pox and Rec. The, like, the the cool crowd mm. are the weirdos, and she's, yeah. like, the uncool one. Yeah. Maybe Probably. that's also why all the geeks are like, fuck off and get out of our world, it's ours. <laughs> You've never fucked me in real life, I'm not going to countenance you here. <laughs> Indeed. Go to Eagleton, you belong yeah. there. <laughs> oh. You've gone to... You've, you've been to Eagleton, right? Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh. It's so Simpsons-esque. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the whole depiction of the town, uh, the civic quality of the town is like very. Yeah. It's a, yeah, like a live-action Simpsons. I think people have definitely said that. Oh. Mm. Oh. Like the murals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's really fun. Mm. And yeah, oh. the concept of Eagleton. Yeah. Like um, Nipple yeah. Hill. I was thinking it got better when. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking it got better when they stopped doing like the weird town meetings where everyone in the town is just this like lunatic. Yeah. Like, yeah. Slob. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's yeah. Whereas it's nicer it gets when you through Leslie. But, yeah, it's nicer mm. when you're like, oh, the town's nice. I mean, when yeah. it's like you have compassion for the town. Mm. Saying that though, I do like the abstinence couple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's really funny. <laughs> I yeah. love them. Mm. Like yeah. the guy who's clearly clearly gay <laughs> oh yeah the one that tried they kept trying to get Leslie to resign from marrying yeah. gay people yeah. yeah 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 also I really like the episode when um also because it's yeah it's like Leslie again but where like they have 
the town meet where they have the meeting to decide what they're going to put in the time capsule. Mm. Oh, that's the one where the man oh, like changes himself to the thing. Yeah, yeah but then they weirdly great. have to make loads of different time capsules. Yeah. Because everyone in the town's like, I don't want this one being in this one or whatever. Mm. I can't remember why, but it's really funny. Yeah, it's good. And I'm like, that's a good town meeting one. Um, oh, the one I love the bit, the opening of one episode when Leslie reads through all the different slogans the town's had over the years, <laughs> or mottos, not slogans. That's very corporate, isn't it? And yeah. um. And then uh, the final one is Pawnee, four for obesity, friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's very Simpsons y. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's very American y as well. Yeah, yes. it's very American. Yeah. That's great. It's so deliberately American. Mm. Well, she's yeah. a very. Pa- well, she's patriotic, but in a non crazy way. Mm. Yeah. I love America. I totally yeah. can see why an American would love America. Yeah. Mm. I was thinking I wanted to live in America the other day, but I can't remember what it was. Why? No, not that I want to move there, but as in I was like, it'd be really nice to... I can't remember what it was, but something made me think like if I'd been born in this town and I was like growing up there and I was having the American experience. Yeah. I was like, that would be fun. That'd be cool. Um, I like talking to my American... Oh. Yeah. Do you remember what it was that that made you think like that? No. It might have just been... I don't know. I don't think it was Parks and Rec. Oh, it might have been like... I don't think I was watching a film. Oh, maybe it was watching. I think it was maybe specifically being like, oh, if I'd grown up in like the seventies in America. No, I was in like been well, like not. Were you watching Black Handsman, were you? No, <laughs> no, not not that kind of thing. <laughs> no, I think it. Not like been. Oh, I don't know. I can't really describe it. I think like being just being born in like. No, it's obviously. Oh, I don't know. It's a minefield. Oh, yeah. No, but it's like, well, it's like when I was watching that cult document, as in, like, oh, every old wild, wild country. Mm. It wasn't that. No, but it was like, it wasn't that that made me think that, but it's like when the man was like, because he was like saying that, because he was just said, he was talking about when he joined the cult, and then he was like, he said he was born in like the best time to be like the best place at the best time in like the history of the world, which was like America after World War Two. Mm. Obviously, he was saying it kind of like, not sarcastically, but like, Ironically, because he was like, but then I was really like dissatisfied with like the kind of weird prosperity and went to join this cult, even though he was like a really well paid lawyer. And then he was like, it was just really weirdly like hollow and I wasn't really happy. And it's similar where you're like, oh, like growing up as a child in like some weird like small town in America. And well, it was like particularly if you were like a white child and mm. a boy, and you'd be like, you'd be like, oh, I'm having this weird like mm. picturesque American dream. My but dad then always says that about being in like, growing up in the 50s mm. in yeah, um, Britain. Like in the Cotswolds. Yeah. He's always like, it was great for me. Yeah. But I was like, there's that element. But then that's part of what I mean about the edge of like, there's not being satisfying. Because underneath there's this horrible like, discontent and like, obviously all the people also being excluded from the prosperity. Mm. Or having to like, fight to get their share of it. But I mean like, yeah. But well, I don't, I don't mean that it connects with, I think, yeah. You're saying... Speaking she of, wish she'd been a white man in the past. No, but I don't really. It's just weird to think back on it, being like, imagine, gr- <laughs> like, imagine being, want the good old days. Like, imagine being Bill Bryson, like growing up and going to like the candy shop, and you're just like, well, that's pleasant. Like, see why <laughs> Bill Bryson enjoyed it, and I like, wrote books about stuff. Like, anyway, yeah, yeah. Carry on. Speaking of lawyers, what do you uh, think <laughs> of the introduction of Chris and Ben? In season two, when they first oh. when they first came, oh. how do you think they were? Do you think they're introducing them well in a yeah. good way? Or? I love it. Yeah, I love it when. Well, I really liked it when like yeah, like the thing we're saying about Chris would come in and be like, 
that is a great point and we will absolutely do that and yeah then, and just like no we can't and he was just like there's no way we can do that yes we can <laughs> yeah it's a really great impetus to the show, like the yeah. idea that they're going to potentially shut it down and Leslie yeah. and the team have to fight it. Yeah. It's so much better than just building some lame-ass park outside Anne's house. Yeah. It's really good, and obviously all the emotional complications that come with having Chris and uh, Ben yeah. the team as well. Yeah. And like the backstory of Ben being the boy mayor who's trying yeah. to... Like, yeah. Ice town. Make, yeah. <laughs> it's What's brilliant. That? Yeah. I was thinking it was better than if, like... Because obviously neither of them's like... Because like, you could have had Chris, like Chris as just like this weird villain who like says mm. that he pretends that he's like taking everything on board, but then behind their backs like tries to shut it down. But he is like earnestly being like, no, we need to save all this stuff, but like mm. doesn't actually have any power to do it, and that's why Ben's there. Yeah. But then also Ben isn't a villain as well for like trying to cut all the stuff because he's just like, but it's my job and I have to like save you from bankruptcy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, that's I think nice. That's brilliant. But there's no bill. Yeah. There's not like a bad one. Also, it's nice to have outsiders in Pawnee. Yeah, that's nice. Also, like people coming in and having and yeah. seeing it from an outsider's yeah, perspective. Exactly. Yeah. But then they've got to learn. They got to learn the people who have grown up in Pawnee their perspective. Yeah. So again, everyone grows. Mm-hmm. Apart from cross pollination, always makes people grow. Apart, so. from, everyone grows. Apart from the Tammies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I doubt Jean Ralphio does much growth either, or Dennis yeah. Feinstein. Dennis Feinstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. um, I love Henry Winkler in that role, though. That's not yeah. uh, Dennis Feinstein. Dennis Feinstein is the one played by Jason Manzoukas. Oh, Dennis Feinstein. Mm. Ah. Oh. Yeah. The yeah, the perfume guy. How can I... Jason Manzoukas. How he can is I so not... Paying. He is well, Jason Manzoukas. Yeah. Fair play. Love him. He's a big fan of Gilmore Girls as well. Huh, I cute. think I feel like he's a big fan of most things. Like, I've listened to his podcast. His podcast. Oh, what? Um, how did How this get made? made? Yeah, yep. that's great. Yeah. Uh, you should yeah. listen to his episode of Gilmore Guys. It's great. <laughs> yeah. He talks about when he pitched a storyline of his him being a character in Stars Hollow. <laughs> he sleeps with Lorelai and then sleeps. No, sleeps with Rory and then sleeps with and falls in love with Lorelai and doesn't realise they're mother and daughter. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's for a different different day. Different yeah. day. Yeah, but either. Yeah. What are oh. we saying? One note fringe characters. Ben. We're talking. Like yeah, ben. we're talking about ones like who don't grow, who don't grow in the show. Yeah. But, oh. but they don't need to because you're not invested in them. Yeah. I'm invested in Tammy too. I don't care what anyone says. Very <laughs> 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 Um. Yeah. I wish we saw a little bit more of Ron's mum. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. her name's Tammy as oh, well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was really funny. Oh, I, w- I was going to ask you a question, but I can't because, well, unspoiled what, of what here. Happens. I don't really mind if you spoil stuff. I'll probably still enjoy it. What do you think about... Um, uh, Actually, don't spoil it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I like... In the same vein, we're going back to Ben. I like the thing about Ben being the mayor as well. Mm. It's really good. Yeah. It fits in. Well, well, I think maybe it's like a, a magic sign that he's destined for Leslie because yeah. he comes from, he understands he comes that small from town world. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not from Pawnee because Leslie's world is bigger than Pawnee, or Leslie's future is bigger than Pawnee. Mm. Yeah. Um, but he completely understands and gets her and he has a similar weird, zany vibe to him even though he appears to be quite... Quite like, straight-laced. Yeah. yeah. And they come they come from quite similar backgrounds as well. Like, they're both from relatively well-off middle-class backgrounds. Mm. And even though he probably had a bit more of a leg up because his parents are yeah. a little bit more wealthy yeah. there. Are they? I don't really remember that. Yeah. 
I think so. I think oh, it's right. my. I, I, this is just from my mild recollection of the of yeah. that back then. I think his. I think he was from quite a wealthy background, yeah. and then that's how he got to be the mayor of Ice. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when Jerry has a holiday house in Muncie? Not an episode. Yeah. There's just a reference to it. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway. Um, mm. Also, he like he obviously wants to get into. They both obviously want to decide to be in politics forever. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They've got their vocations. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh. They're yeah. just suited for each other, aren't they? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I just find it weird when I'm watching Adam Scott in anything else. Yeah. You know what you need to. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Carry on. What is it? Ghosted. You're gonna Ooh. say. Okay. Party down. Party down. Ah, when he's a waiter, right? Yeah, and you know who else is in that show? It's what's his name? I can picture the guy. Uh, you thinking Martin Starr? No, not Martin Starr. Um. The guy from Veronica Mars. Maybe. The two guys from Veronica Mars. I've never seen Veronica Mars. That's great. Well, anyway, no, that it's not a man. Um, Megan Mullally's in it. Really? Yeah, oh. she's in season two, and she's a, ex- my favourite character. She's so great. Hmm. She's just good at everything yeah. she does, though. She's great. She was great in Will and Grace. She's mm. great in mm. what with Parks and Rec. Mm. Mm. Like, she's she's a great villain. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but it, funnily, in Party Down, she's not a villain, but she's she's ludicrous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, she's yeah really sweet. Yeah. We watched all of those, haven't we? No, we haven't. Not all of them. But you've seen her character. Yeah. Yeah, good. Party Down's really good. Oh, I will definitely God, watch. So good. I've got it, but I haven't had yeah. a chance to actually sit down and. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. So you haven't seen? Okay, so you haven't seen. The, okay, okay. So you I'm trying to think of how we can do this without actually spoiling anything uh-huh. for you. Right. Tammy one or Tammy two? Who would you rather be in a room with? for an hour Tammy 2 she's funnier <laughs> <laughs> no. um, so it's Tammy 2 the one who works in the library yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah probably Tammy 2 wasn't Tammy 1 just really like terrifying <laughs> yeah. oh yeah is that the one where he like goes and get no that's Tammy 2 when he gets like when Ron completely changes and then yeah, they go to prison dread. and yeah. Rachel's yeah and, probably her and April the first time we meet her April was just like she's like the distant mother I never had <laughs> I love her <laughs> I love her yeah yeah, I think the Tammy too as well. Yeah. What happens with Tammy one again? Patricia Clarkson plays her, and yeah. she's uh, she's works for the um, tax office. Oh yeah, and then yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, no Tammy too. And basically scam him out of all of his money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Which um, he's got a lot of, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Oh. He's a libertarian after all, so mm-hmm. he doesn't believe in banks. Oh. Would you rather be in? Um, Leslie's like princesses club, whatever it's called, mm, or the, the Swansons. Goddesses, yeah, porny goddesses, or the Swansons. The porny goddesses. <laughs> I'd like to see a combination of both because I feel <laughs> like they both have. Yeah. They both teach you equally good skills, yeah. like the um, Ron Swanson's boys club or whatever it's called. Yeah. Will teach you how to survive if and when the zombie apocalypse happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> Touch wood, not anytime soon. <laughs> but Leslie's. But Leslie's Princesses for yeah. Horny um, Club. Uh-huh. That teaches you social skills uh-huh. and how to be inclusive of everyone. Uh-huh. How to be inclusive mm. of everyone. Uh-huh. Because how look how they included yeah. Ron's... The boys. The boys yeah. as well. Yeah, it's lovely. Oh. 
Who would you rather have as your boss? Leslie, Leslie or... Leslie or Ron. I think I'd rather have Ron in a way. I'd like to work... I can see... I don't know. Yeah. Might be hard to take ownership over a project with Leslie as your yeah. boss. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've probably had... I, I like to have a mixture of... Ron and Le- I like to have a mixture of Ron and Leslie. Mm. Yeah. Because if you have someone who's like too stuck in their ways, but well, if someone is too stuck in their ways, then and it's their way and the or the highway, then that's not enjoyable. Mm. Um, but at the same time, if you have someone who is so enthusi- so enthusiastic that they sort of take over whatever you want to do. Mm. Then you can't really do your job. E- you can't really do your job either. And mm. so, if someone that's in the middle. But I think, for the basis of that question, I probably have to say Ron, who would allow me to have some Leslie qual- Leslie-like qualities and ideas. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll say Ron because it reminded me of when I worked in the PR company. And then the first time I was there as an intern, and I had like he he was only a Ronisk boss in the sense that he there was no like downward pressure, and he didn't like really manage the office at all. Mm. Mm. So I could just do it. So everyone just did whatever they wanted all day, <laughs> and then like no work really got done. But then when I went back again, they had like she wasn't there wasn't they weren't a Leslie-esque boss because they weren't like positive at all, but they were like mm. expecting people to do things. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is this isn't conducive to me. Mm. anymore it's probably because I hated the, hated working in the PR company it wasn't really anything to do with the bosses but the only way I could like tolerate it was if I wasn't really no one was asking me to do anything well, what a useful employee <laughs> yeah right we've said it all yeah <laughs> we've said everything um plug oh. yourselves when are you gonna when are you, where, where can they see you guys where can they see you do your stand up stuff performing um, what dates have you got when's it when's this when do you, is there like, when would be this be out on it's date? probably going to be out tomorrow all right fair enough um well i'm in a competition on wednesday most competition uh museum of comedy mm-hmm. and then i'm in people and then i'm in um what day what day so it's wednesday the 19th wednesday yeah, the 19th 6:45. 6:45. comedy near tottenham court road then on thursday i'm at dress up comedy in hatch no, in Homerton in East London, a place called Hatch. Um, I think um, Elf Lions is on as well, so that'd be good to go and watch. Um, what else? Yeah, I think that, and then I'm going, then I'm away for the next week. So yeah, that's what I'm doing next week. I'm <laughs> um, doing Comedy Virgins at the Cavendish Arms Ooh! on Tuesday. Ooh! I'm doing dead set comedy. Can't remember where it is. Somewhere I think it's Bethnal Green on Wednesday. I'm doing the Museum of Comedy the following Wednesday, so the 26th. 26th. Um, um, really far in the future, I'm doing objectively funny. Not objectively funny. Yeah, objectively funny at the Albany on November the 12th. November 12th. Oh, on November 13th, I've got the semi-finals of Get Up Stand Up. Yeah. Stand Up Piccadilly. Ah. Oh yeah, um, the end of October. On the 29th, I've got semi-finals of Laughing Horse. Mm. So that should be another interesting one to come to. Mm. Yeah. And some real goodies in his heat as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, our friend Fee Simpson, mm-hmm. for one, she's in it. Mm-hmm. 
Isn't uh, Janine Haruni in that yeah, one? Yeah, Janine Haruni. It'll be a good. She's beaten my ass twice. Yeah. Really? Fair enough. That's the money. But is it a, was it a good? Was it a well deserved beat? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's always well deserved yeah. where Janine's concerned. No, yeah. It's yeah. not like that. Like no, that. I'm not. It's not yeah. Like that I'm expecting it She's to be. She's just good. She's a good comedian. Yeah. Whatever happens, I'm expecting it to be very entertaining and funny. Mm. <laughs> people, people doing very good five minutes. Mm. So that's nice. Sweet. Um, yeah, and then when the comedy festival starts rolling up, come to Leicester. Come to Leicester. They'll be doing something in Leicester on one of the days. Sweet. What about social medias? Where can they see you on social media? Oh. Um, on Twitter, like at. Well, I've got a couple of Twitters, <laughs> but I was give. I have like a political Twitter. I don't really do anything on it. It's just I wanted to be careful about what I was retweeting on what account and who I um, so my like comedy one at the moment is at Kieran Chili. at Kieran Chili. at Chili Kieran sorry at Chili Kieran okay um, yeah well, my twitter handle is at B Trotwood Jr B Trotwood Jr David Copperfield reference ah <laughs> sweet right, well, thank you guys that's well, been thank great you, thank, thank you good fun alright yeah. accent Guys, thank you so much for listening to that. If you'd like to come and see me do my thing on the stand-up comedy stage, um, you can come see me tomorrow, September 17th, at Healing Comedy at the Grange in Ealing. September 25th, I'm at Big Nose at the Boogaloo Pub in Highgate. October 3rd, I'm at Brewery Bants on Varney Road in London. On October 8th, I'm at Diminishing Returns at the Ship in Southwark. And on October 25th, I'm doing comedy at The Flow at the Florence Brewery in Dulwich Road. All right, guys, thanks so much, and hopefully we'll hopefully we'll do this again soon. And no, no, actually, no, fuck it, no, hopefully. This will happen again very soon. I've got some great stuff lined up for you guys, so stay tuned. Peace.